Hi folks, Triss here. Thanks for listening to Modem Prometheus, and thanks especially to all of you who have joined our Patreon. We don't run ads, so the whole podcast is supported by you. If you'd like to help out, head over to patreon.com forward slash modemprometheus. Members get behind-the-scenes notes, early access, bonus episodes, and a lot more exciting stuff. Today's story is called Nightbus, and is about the end of the road. The bus is late. Adrian sits on the hard bus stop bench, his bag on his lap. Hands just starting to show wrinkles are folded on top of it. The air is still, summer night air, cool but heavy. Air that feels like it's been piped up from an ossuary, quiet as bones. The only sound is a moped, far in the distance, impossible to tell how far. This is the kind of air through which sound flies like a knife. He remembers hearing mopeds a lot last year. For a while it seemed like he couldn't go a single night without hearing an engine gunned a couple of streets away. Then there was a night when they were everywhere. Then they stopped. Just like that. Kids found a new toy, he supposes. In the other direction, the red lights of the transmitter twinkle in a burning vertical ellipsis. It's large here, a solid spike nailing down the horizon. He's used to the view from his house, too distant to see in the daytime, but appearing at night, a tiny glittering marker. He's lost track of how long he's been waiting. They say the bus comes once every half an hour. He is finding this hard to believe. It is late. The bus is late. He is late. He meant to be home a long time ago, but the hours had worn on and the company had been good and now Melissa will be worried because he isn't in bed beside her. She'll probably be asleep by now, but he tries to message her anyway. No signal. He looks over at the transmitter again. It's TV and radio, he knows, but still, you have to appreciate the irony. He hears the mopeds again. They don't sound close yet, but they're definitely out here. And while they may not be close, they are getting closer. It makes him uneasy for some reason. The rumbling roar of the engine taps into the same part of the brain as the growl of a wolf in the dark, a door slamming shut upstairs when no one else is home. You getting in or what? And the bus is there, the driver looking at him with a half-amused, half-impatient glare. Sorry. He gets on and takes a seat in the middle. It's empty. No other passengers are here. The bus doors close with a hiss, and with a slow ascent into motion that makes Adrian think of his knees complaining as he gets off the sofa, the bus judders towards the glittering tower. The route is twisted and winding, more a scrunched-up string than a plumb line. Adrian keeps himself oriented with the transmitter lights, sometimes out the front window, sometimes left, sometimes right, never behind. The driver is his age, maybe slightly younger, 
graying hair, crow's feet, eyes that have faded over time. She looks like she's from the Caribbean, but her accent is far more local. He catches her talking sometimes, but it doesn't sound like she's talking to him. He hears her, yeah, I know, or quite a thing, that. Voice kept low. He doesn't think she knows he can hear her. Occasionally, he hears snatches of another voice through the hiss of her radio, but it's too fuzzy to make out the words. They pass through a street of pre-war terraces with small, neat front gardens. Adrian recognises magnolia in leaf, Japanese maple, a ring of Michaelmas daisies. Melissa will be gardening tomorrow. She does not grow flowers. She grows beans and squash and tomatoes in raised beds, and all her trees bear fruit. Everything is productive, aesthetics secondary at best. It is preparation for an apocalypse Adrian does not think will come, but it makes her feel safer, so he does not fight it. He is thinking of suggesting a beehive, because that would give an excuse to grow lavender. He remembers the smell of lavender, which his mother grew in heady purple forests, in the garden of a house not unlike these ones. I remember, he hears, a whisper next to his ear. He turns with a start, but the bus is still empty. The bus pulls up at a stop, though no one is waiting. Just going to be here for a couple of minutes, the driver says. Shouldn't be long. He looks into the dark upstairs windows and imagines himself, a far younger version of himself, sitting behind very similar glass, staying up far too late. Some kids did this to read. He did it to listen. One Christmas, he'd been given an AM radio, and then for longer than he'd care to admit, had sat under the bed covers, sliding the tuna through the ocean of the long wave band. He doubts any kid does it now. It wasn't exactly cool then. But Adrian had always found it magical, hunting for the signal among the static. When he found one, it was often incomprehensible. A message from so far away, it came in another tongue. But that just added to the wonder. Sometimes he didn't really look, and just listened to the static that fell like rain. Adrian wonders if he should try to message Melissa again. He looks at his phone, but there are still no signal bars. Sorry, mate, the bus driver says, seeing him check the screen in her mirror. It's all a dead zone around here. The guttural roar of an engine cuts through the night. Adrian looks out the bus's back window to see a moped sat at the top of the road. The rider is hunched over the handlebars, wearing what Adrian assumes is a hoodie because no one wears robes anymore. As if it notices him stare, the hood turns in his direction, but he can't see any face beneath it. Don't you worry about that, the driver says. It can't get in here. Nothing rides my bus that I don't want riding. As the bus judders into life, she adds, Why don't you come up here? We've got a little way to go yet, and it's easier to chat if you're not halfway down there. Adrian does so, without entirely knowing why. 
He's never really been one for random conversation, but the driver just seems to make sense. What's your name? She asks. Adrian. What do you do with yourself? I'm an HR manager. Hiring and firing. Is that what you wanted to do? No, not really. Adrian laughs. What little boy grows up wanting to be an HR manager? Pretty scary ones, I should think. So what did you want to be? Rockstar? No, not that either. I didn't really think like that when I was a kid. He pauses. I wanted to run for a while. Run what? Just run. Sprints. Long distance. What? Whatever. Spent a couple of weeks thinking I could be a professional athlete, then a couple of years pretending I still thought that. I was good. Never really close to good enough. Always enjoyed it, though. I guess there's not many jobs in running. Not as many as in HR, that's for sure. Adrian glances out the window, where the buildings have changed to bars and clubs. But even these are quiet at this time of night. The transmitter mast has swung around to be in front of them, shining like a lighthouse. Do you still run? I do a few miles a couple of times a week. It's my switch-off time. Just me and the road. The road. The driver's radio crackles. Watch. Beware the riders. Adrian stares at it. Did that just... Hmm? The driver asks. Didn't notice. For a brief second, it does not feel like the bus is empty. It feels full of nervous bodies. And then he is alone again. You know, I don't think I wanted to be a bus driver either, the driver says. I just fell into it. And I was good at it. Ended up doing this kind of thing all my life, one way or another. Moving people around. The stoplight dings on. There is still no one else on the bus. They pull over at a stop next to a club with a green neon sign over the door. But the driver does not open the doors. The club reminds Adrian of somewhere. It takes him a minute to place it. The memory, when he gets there, is enough to make him forget at least briefly, the feeling his seat is occupied by someone who isn't him. I met Melissa at a place just like that, he says. One of my friends tried to outdrink one of her friends and we carried them both home. The driver laughs. Proper romance, that. We did that later. I always told Steve I owed him one for not being able to hold his drink. So how did you end up asking her out? Almost didn't. I was never really comfortable putting myself forward. But I thought if there was ever a time to be noticed, that was it. Yeah, the bus driver nods. Guess sometimes we've all got to choose between static and signal. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. They drive on. The driver, he notices, always has her eyes on the transmitter mast. 
Even when it's off to the side, she's stealing glances across at it, as if trying to make sure it's still there. He wonders why she's so desperate to keep it in view, but isn't sure how to ask. The bus takes a wide curve around a park, and the road starts to climb. There's a swing set in there, ghostly in the streetlight, and Adrian can almost see himself pushing Michael on it ever higher. Michael's been too big for that for almost 20 years now, but Adrian still misses it sometimes. He rests his head against the window and finds himself running through his memories like they were a YouTube playlist. Staying quiet at school when one of his friends was being bullied. Static. Talking to Melissa. Signal. Leaving in the middle of a meeting with management when he got news she was going into labour. Signal. Wanting Michael to be a doctor like Melissa, but not arguing when he wanted to study maths. Static. The brief affair with Rachel from the office. Signal. Two sides. Same coin. In all the memories, Adrian notices one is missing. He has no idea why he was out tonight. There was a work outing. They were celebrating finishing a project. No. He was out with Melissa. It was their anniversary. No, if he was out with Melissa, Melissa would be here. He wouldn't be worried that she was waiting up for him. The transmitter mast is getting closer. Adrian thinks of his house. Thinks of how he can see the tiny red lights beyond the horizon. Realises, belatedly, that he is not being taken home. Where's the next stop? He asks. I... I think I want to get off. No stops, the driver says. Sorry, we're riding to the end of the line. The radio crackles. Stay. No, Adrian says. No, this is the wrong way. I want to get off. The driver shrugs. She wants a pony. Adrian gets up and starts pacing up and down the aisle. From the corner of his eye, he can see other people on the seats, some looking concerned, some with heads bowed, some bruised and bleeding. None look at him. None look at each other. Everyone is on their own bus. He hammers on the middle door, then all the windows as if moving one row further back will make the glass less solid. He pounds a fist against the window at the back, and as he does so, a moped swings immediately into view, and then another, and another, and another, like he's rung the bell, called the hounds to dinner. They gain fast, two of them accelerating up each side of the bus. He feels more than hears the dissonant shriek of their switchblade fingers raking along the vehicle's sides. The driver pulls sharply on the wheel. The bus swings left, slamming into one of the mopeds, which tumbles across the road, the rider thrown off to land in a cracked, crumpled heap. Adrian tumbles with it, bouncing off a seat edge and falling backward onto the aisle floor. 
The other mopeds scatter, falling back and pulling off into side roads. Shouldn't have done that, the driver says. Going to get yelled at. Those things can chase this bus all they like. They're never going to catch it. But me and them never really got on. Adrian lies on the bus floor, staring up at what looks like a flimsy fiberglass roof. He suspects that's not what it really is. Sorry, he says. I think I've had a bad night. Yeah. Don't worry, the driver says, and she shakes her head as if trying to throw away a memory. It took me the same way. That house that looked like the one I grew up in, it didn't just look like it, did it? Nope. And the club that looked like the one where I met Melissa? That too. Adrian picks himself up and sits back in the front seat. How did it happen? Couldn't tell you. Not my job. I'm just the ferryman. Ferry woman, I suppose. Oh. Probably a heart attack? Usually is, your age. Huh. That doesn't feel like anything else to say. There's no heroic sacrifice to feel proud of. No villain to resent. Only a past self who was maybe a bit too fond of Chinese takeaway. But he exercised. He ran. He did laps of the park. He used his gym membership sometimes. All for nothing. Don't be like that, the driver says. It wasn't for nothing. You don't know how many extra years that got you. Adrian doesn't even bother questioning how she knows what he was thinking. It's her bus. You said it took you the same way. Yeah, does to most everyone. So you were alive? Human? Yep, both of them. Even maybe at the same time. How did it happen for you? The driver is quiet for a while. Then she says, It was worse than a heart attack. Adrian wants to say that isn't an answer, but he knows it's all the answer she wants to give. It's a tone that said to count his blessings. They are passing a building that looks like the school his son went to. Adrian realises belatedly that this was in an entirely different city to his childhood home, and the club where he met Melissa, which were themselves at opposite ends of the country. The bus does not seem to care. What's your name? he asks. The driver doesn't answer for a moment. Then she says, Lighter. I'm lighter. And something about the way she says it makes Adrian realise she's sad. She's so sad. He doesn't know how he didn't see it before. How did you start doing this? I got the choice. I chose. I always was good at moving people around. Have you been doing it long? Lighter laughs, short and bitter. 
that's a more complicated question than you think. But yeah. Short answer, yeah. Long time. How long do you have to do it for? I don't know. She grips the steering wheel a little tighter. Probably a while yet. I'm sorry. Don't be. It's not like that, Lyta says. I don't have to be here. I could leave, if I wanted. Nothing's stopping me. But I'm waiting for someone. And I'm going to drive this bus until she rides it. Who is it? My daughter. Got some things to say to her. Me and her are going to have a talk. There's an edge to those words that could slice steel. Adrian wonders what kind of drama could lead someone to drive this bus just for a chance to clear some air. That doesn't sound like a good talk. Not for her, no. Lighter sighs. I love her. Always will. But I've got some things to say all the same. And no amount of money will stop her from hearing them once she's here. They're close to the top of the hill now. Adrian can feel the transmitter mast tugging on him like a magnet. That's where they're going. Of course that's where they're going. It was always going to be the end of the route. He thinks back to those voices on his childhood radio, wonders how many were really from across the world and how many were really beamed from here. The mast has a small building at the base, almost like a bunker. The door is open, though no lights are on inside. The bus drives past it and turns into an empty station. There's a cafe that's shut. There's a dozen bays, empty tufts of grass growing along the edge of the tarmac. Adrian wonders if they're actually empty, or just empty for him. They pull into one bay. The bus shudders to a stop and there's a hiss as the doors open. Adrian shivers in a drift of cold air. Well, Lighter says, this is it. Adrian nods, stretches his legs is mildly annoyed that his knees still crack when he stands. As he pauses at the door, he hears the sound of a moped in the distance, some way away but heading in their direction. Now look, Lighter says. Those things on the mopeds, they, they can't touch you in here. They can't touch you in there. But in the middle. And what happens... Adrian asks, if they catch me. Best you don't think about that. Okay then. There's not far to go. Maybe a hundred metres. Across the bus station, around the corner. Adrian thinks back to his running days. A sprint like that wouldn't have bothered him a bit then. And if they don't catch me, he asks. 
What about then? What happens then? Same as it's always been. Static or signal. That's your choice. Or I could drive a bus. Lighter snorts. You keep your hands off my bus. Adrian laughs, short and nervous. They both know he is stalling for time. Thank you, he says. I hope you see your daughter again. Yeah. Me too. Adrian faces the door. He checks his phone one more time, just in case. Still no signal, but he taps out, love you, and sends it to Melissa anyway. Maybe it'll arrive one day. The mast stands huge and skeletal. The lights from here look like fires burning in enormous dishes, big and bright enough to set the sky alight. The mast is a standing stone, a pyramid, a wicker man, a mausoleum. The moped is approaching fast. Okay then. Adrian takes his last breath and breaks into a run. Murder in Prometheus is written by Neil Merton, the voice of the city is Kate Angier, and with music and production by me, Triss Oten. For bonus episodes and behind-the-scenes content, join our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Prometheus. If you're not ready for that kind of commitment, please rate and review us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this right now. Our next story is due when the blue moon rises on the very last day of August. The blue moon is a very rare and fleeting thing, so naturally, this story will be about love. The bus is late. Adrian sits on the hard bus stop bench, his bag on his lap. Hands just starting to show wrinkles are folded on top of it. The air is still. Summer night air, cool but heavy. Air that feels like it's been piped up from an ossuary, quiet as bones. He's lost track of how long he's been waiting. They say the bus comes once every half an hour. He is finding this hard to believe. He hears the mopeds again. Modern Prometheus is an urban fantasy podcast of modern folktales. These are the stories of the curbside, the transmitter mast, and the shadows between buildings. Follow us on Mastodon at modernprometheusatwandering.shop, subscribe on Spotify or iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Our next story is due on the Falcon Moon, the 1st of August, and is about a place where falcons never fly. <laughs>